welcome to Unclassical. Hello, everybody. I'm Marsha. I'm Katie. And uh, we're diving straight back into it for episode three of A Little Princess. Now, do you remember what happened last week? Her dad is dead. Her dad died. Her dad is dead. Her dad died. I, I posted this on on um, our Instagram and possibly our Patreon, um, the Black Balloon mm-hmm. artwork for the um, front of the um, episode, yeah. cover artwork, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if we mentioned the Black Balloon in the actual episode because that's what they have in the film. The Black Balloon's like... You flip. are alone in the world. Bang! <laughs> We are like trauma. Trauma with the black balloon. You were alone in the world. Instant childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah. So she had black balloons at her party because she's like slithering goth in the film. It was green and black. It was a weird. It was a weird theme for an yeah. eleven-year-old's birthday. It, it was strange. Oh, also, okay, something to come back to. Um, so yeah, then when um, Miss Munchkin, Munchkin, Munchkin <laughs> says your dad's dead, the balloon. Uh, um, I was going to say the balloon burps we're off to a brilliant start the yeah. balloon bursts and i think as a child i always kind of thought that was her dad's ghost and i was like why is he so aggressive <laughs> um, what have i thought as a child balloon popped yeah. to punctuate the moment yeah <laughs> but yeah wow, childhood dramatic. trauma um also so she started at this school when she was seven yeah and has she not seen her dad in um maths three four years four years yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> three i mean yeah four, four, four. Sure. four. i had to look at my fingers um there's not said that she has like he's well, been, i'm guessing he has been very busy, busy she with has business and like worrying about business well you know what dad your priorities are clear don't worry miss is fucking received i know you did <laughs> I think, yeah, they just, it's just Victorians in it. They're weird. <laughs> just Victorians just, just don't like, really care about their children. You're at school. You're fed. I sent a doll. I wrote you a letter. <laughs> what else do you want? But then, like, in his letter, like, he's like, God, I miss her so much. Like, I fucking visit her. <laughs> yeah. It's been three years. <laughs> I child. I know the journey is a fucking faff. I know you've got to, like, get, there aren't planes. I know Why you've got you to get send a boat. Her so far away, then, you dickhead. Is America closer to India? Okay, they're not in America in the film. <laughs> no, no, I know. Is America closer to India than us? I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like we should know this. It still weirds me out that Russia and America are next to each other. Yeah. Like, for the long... long I suppose it wasn't that I didn't realise, it was just I didn't overly think about it. Yeah. It was like, they're obviously very the Cold wide. War and everything, I was like, it seems ridiculous sending nukes across the entire world. Do you realise they're just going next to each other? No. Oh, yeah. Doesn't make sense. It's because of, like, we're obviously centralised on our versions of, like, the world map. And so they're on opposite sides of the map. But, lol, joke, there's a curvature. There is a curvature. But doesn't it just weird you out? Because, obviously, like, in our heads, Russia and America are so vastly, worldly different. In which case, sorry, I just thought about answering my own question. America is closer. He really should have sent her to an American school. The film is so much more sensible. Yeah. But he he is English, so he wanted her to be a British young woman. <sighs> Fucking racist. I know. Um, but yeah, doesn't it weird you out that like actually America and Russia are pretty damn close? Yeah, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's like it just makes a whole lot of sense. Get on with each other. <laughs> just get along. Makes a whole lot of sense with Trump and Russia. And Trump, Putin, same thing. Mm-hmm. Same person. Same person. Both a dickhead. Mm. I actually think um, Putin is a lot. Well, I don't know. who's got better hair? These are the important questions. I think think it's Putin at least this is a real colour yeah that's true Trump's looks borderline painful getting it to that colour it's just like oh, <sighs> you need to use a purple shampoo for the love of God <laughs> for the love of God have you heard of toner have you heard of goddamn toner <laughs> Jesus 
You know, like um, sometimes people throw eggs at politicians and they think mm. they've been shot. Just throws a toner at Trump. You're welcome. You're welcome. God. <laughs> I mean, literally. That's some fucking purple shampoo. In court, like, and you threw a chemical compound on his head. I threw a toner and, you know, his hair was a crime against humanity. What about all his actual crimes against humanity? I'll deal with what I can. I'll do what I can. The the yellow was offending me with the orange off his face. <laughs> and his shrewd little prune face. It's annoying. Put some sun cream on. God damn it. Put the bloody, what they call, tanning bed down. Yeah. You're weird. He's holding the whole bed. It's very intense. Uh, anyway. Do you remember when he nearly died of COVID? And everyone was like, funny. Banter. 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 to Boris as well. They are all the same person. They are. Why? Maybe we should stop electing podgy old white men with questionably blonde hair. They did elect Trump. That's fair. Boris just showed up one day. He took over from... Oh, my God. Theresa I should. May. Yes, Theresa May. I... So, basically, I had this conversation with someone the other day. David Cameron both seems like yesterday and also 200 years ago. Mm. So, the whole Conservative um, Party and their leaders have really fucked up my timelines. Yeah. So yeah, he also, took over from like, Theresa May was my point. He wasn't elected, yeah. but then he did get elected. Anyway. Doesn't it? Looking back on like David Cameron, remembering how we didn't like him, and now it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, I remember with Brexit and like not liking David Cameron and just being like, oh, "God, David Cameron, you're such like you know a dick that you know doesn't want everyone to have human rights." But Brexit, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Oh my God, you're playing some crazy hardball because you're a maniac. But um, it's not going to happen, David Cameron. You've got a lot to think about, young man. This <laughs> is like, he was like, I'm out. Yeah, just like, oh, I really fucked it. I'm going to bow out right now. Literally. They all fucking bowed out. It's only later when Boris was like, fine. Yes, I kind of like, you know, manufactured this move. Fine, I'll get involved. Jesus, you're all such pussies. I mean, I don't like Theresa May, but I also do kind of think, you know, everyone being like, oh, she made a shit show of it. And I'm like, she was oh, thrown she, under the bus. She was thrown under the fucking bus. Under the Brexit bus yeah. with the false claim. <laughs> I won't say the same about, um, oh my God, who was our prime minister for like a week and she actually fucked everything. I can't remember her name now. Oh my God, I can see her face. She's, the cabbage lasted longer than her. Oh! The only name in my head is Nicola Sturgeon and it's not her. Liz Truss. Liz Truss, Liz Truss. All right. Anyway, should we do the fucking book? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, last week, poor Sarah found out her dear da had died. Mm. Um, that's one say, dear da had died. Dear da had died. And um, has she been sent to the attic? Yes. Um, but firstly, before we get there, he died of the very pre- precise oh, yeah. and well-documented jungle fever yeah. and business troubles combined. Yeah, if, if he hadn't had one, the other one might not have been so bad. But with both, combined. there's just no surviving. It's like, so what killed my da? Jungle fever. Stress. I can imagine like there's like a lawyer there like flicking through the paperwork and it does say in the paperwork like specifically what happened. He's like, oh, I don't know. It's a lot of words. Jungle fever. Jungle fever. Well, and big distress. Well, he lived out in India. <laughs> these things will racist. happen, you know. Like, that is so racist. That is so racist, man. Anyway. Um, but yeah, can you imagine um, saying someone died of fucking business troubles today? Like... Like, well, that's a murder, isn't it? Like, there was a thing in Japan a few years ago, wasn't there, about people like collapsing and having heart attacks at their desk? And um, I was going to say at their death. I'm like, well, people do do that to die no, at yeah. their desk. And um, people being like, you know what, sick days, sometimes you should take them. And like dying for like your company that doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah, that's not such a vibe. So, so not a vibe. So I guess they did die from business worries. I saw this thing so as well on, um, oh, what's it called? Employee. 
Now, I always thought it was employee eaters, um, employer eaters, because I just looked at it quickly, but it's actually employee tears. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought it was the employees getting ready to eat their employers. I mean, fair, eat their own. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of thought the vibe was. But anyway, it's that thing on Instagram. And, um, you know, in America, they don't get, like, paid um, holiday leave and, like, sick pay yeah. quite often. So, um, or they only get, like, a really small amount. So, basically, it was, like, this sign that had been put up in, like, the staff room saying so-and-so's been having cancer treatment and they've basically used up all their sick days. I think they call them, like, PTOs or something out there. I'm not yeah. sure what it stands for. And um and it's um because they've used them all up, their family's coming under a lot of like financial pressure and everything. So if anyone wants to formally um give them some of their sick days, um I'm, I know their family would really appreciate it. Why don't you just pay them? You Why can't. Do, yeah, literally. And then someone I so I was looking through the comments, I was like, how is this a fucking thing? Yeah. And um someone was saying, Yeah, at our company, if we want to gift someone one day, we have to give sacrifice two, but they only get one. What the what the fuck? No! <laughs> I, Get in the bin! I was like, America, what the fuck is wrong with you? Make America great again! Oh, sorry. Like, put the put the whole place in the bin. You ruined it. You ruined it? Fuck off. Like, fuck you, off. And the fact, the person, like, typing that up, like, and so-and-so's got cancer, so I think we all just need to pull together, guys, and have a little less sick pay for all of us, okay? I'm like, no, you need to fucking cover them. If you're like, they're going through a really tough time, cool, support your employees. Literally. And while you're at it, go die because yeah. you suck. Fucking suck. A waste of oxygen you are as a human being. Like, I don't even know. Like, if someone tried to, like, articulate that in somewhere I work. Can you imagine in, like, the meeting, like, and if someone gifts someone their um, day of leave because we've had to go through the process of dealing with that, should we take two from them? To some moment of, like, Sarah, you need to calm down. Yeah. You went to a whole dark place. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, you're evil. Sarah. Sarah. Lucifer, sorry, I didn't realise you'd fucking joined us. <laughs> yeah. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Lucifer. <laughs> Just break into song like, what? Well, if the boot fits. Like, oh, I can't remember if we said this on the podcast, but um, Katie's work had a load of redundancies. My work's having a load of redundancies. And then we wanted to walk in and look and sing empty chairs or empty tables <laughs> where my, my friends, friends will sit no more. Honestly, it's so tempting just to walk up to HR and just like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they also gave me a pay rise. <laughs> I'm singing it. Yeah. No. Funny. 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 Do it. Can no. you imagine? I'm singing up? it. Do it. Yeah. Hilarious. Anyway... Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Marsha's Rebellion. I will sing musical theatre and no one will quieten me. We're Good. so painfully sorry. I know. <laughs> Can you tell we did theatre as kids? <laughs> We're a theatre kids. We're drama kids. Anyway. Anyway. Daddy's dead. Anyway, Dar's dead. Um, anyway, so poor little Sarah has now been left alone in the world with no money or family because obviously the business troubles took all the money too, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so Sarah has been made... Don't get involved in- with diamonds. Don't get involved with diamonds. Um, so Sarah's been made into a general servant around the house like Becky, except she gets paid nothing, whereas Becky does get like the equivalent of like a fiver a week. And a clip money. round of the year old. Yeah. Be grateful. So it's like Becky does get paid, but she clearly doesn't get paid enough to ever leave or like be financially <laughs> viable to actually not be starving. Mm. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so... Uh, Sarah is also expected to teach the younger children, including Lottie, who doesn't really understand why she's not a princess Sarah anymore and still chats away. I her. am a princess. All girls are. <laughs> yeah. Even if they are pretty or young or, or dressed smart. in rags, yeah. they're still princesses. <laughs> All of us. 
Jesus. You want to calm down? <laughs> Simmer uh, down, Sarah. So the other girls, as I said last week, um, all sort of whisper behind their hands about her and looking at her judgingly, at her dress and dirty face. Um, and this makes Sarah feel embarrassed, um, which Aww. she wants to be above of because she's like, I'm still a princess and princesses don't snap about people being dicks. Um, um, one girl has been missing for a few weeks since Sarah's degradation. Ermengarde was... I was like, missing, missing. No. Oh, God, stop the fucking book. Where the fuck is Ermintrout? Ermintrout <laughs> <laughs> was summoned home to a sick relative pretty much the day after Sarah's birthday and change in situation. Yeah. So the best friends haven't seen each other in a number of weeks. Mm. Um, and by the time uh, that... Uh, by the time... Um, and Trout returns, Sarah certainly don't look like Princess Nymal. Oh dear. <laughs> I leave for one week. And she comes back, sorry, what happened? Yeah. Um, when she came back, she did not see Sarah for a day or two. And when she met her for the first time, she encountered her coming down a corridor with her arms full of garments, which were to be taken downstairs to be mended. Sarah herself had already been taught how to mend them. She looked pale and unlike herself, and she was attired in the queer outgrown frock whose shortness showed so much thin black leg. Mm. Ermengarde was too slow a girl to be equal to such a situation. She could not think of anything to say. She knew what had happened, but somehow she'd never imagined Sarah could look like this. So odd and poor and almost almost like a servant. Yeah. It made her quite miserable, and she could do nothing but break into a short hysterical laugh and exclaim aimlessly, as if without any meaning, Oh, Sarah, is that you? Yes, Yeah. answered Sarah, and suddenly a strange thought passed through her mind and made her face flush. She had the pile of garments in her arms and her chin rested upon the top of it to keep it steady. Something in the look of her straight-gazing eyes made Ermengarde lose her wits still more. She felt as if Sarah had changed into a new kind of girl. She had never known her before. Perhaps it was because she had suddenly grown poor and had to mend things and work like Becky. Oh, she stammered. Um, how... How are you? I don't know, Sarah replied. <laughs> how are you? I, I'm quite well, said Ermengarde. <laughs> all right, all right, said Ermengarde, overwhelmed with shyness. Then, um, spasmodically, right, yeah. um, she thought of something to say which um, seemed more intimate. Are you, are you very unhappy, she said in a rush. <laughs> no, I'm buzzing, mate. Then Sarah was guilty of an injustice. Just at that moment, her torn heart swelled within her and she felt that if anyone was as stupid as that, one had better get away from her. What do you think, she said. Do you think I'm very happy? And she marched past her without another word. Ooh, Mm. I prefer book Sarah. She's got a little bit of... She wouldn't have said that to Ermine Trout in the film. To be fair, Ermine Trout ain't trying to be a dick. I know, but she's in a bad situation. And for right now, you know, Ermine Guard Trout is just getting on her fucking tits. Yeah. Do I look fucking happy, Ermine Guard? Fucking hell. (laughs) Get out my fucking way. I've got some things to mend. I'm busy. I'm fucking busy. I'm not getting paid. My dad's dead. Fuck off, yeah? Fuck off, pretty Fuck much, off. yeah. So, um, I know you're sad, Sarah, but poor Ermengarde. Yeah. Um, also, Francis, the author, um, is well savage calling Ermengarde slow all the time. Like, she yeah. just wasn't up to these wits. Like, so mean. <laughs> Who is Ermengarde based off? <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen to this. In course of time, she realised that if her wretchedness had not made her forget things, she would have known that poor, dull Ermengarde was not to be blamed for her unready, awkward ways. She was always awkward. And the more she felt, the more stupid she was given to be. Hmm. Wow. Francis. Wow. Wow. That is fucking savage. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, Sarah feels bad for snapping at Ermengarde, but a few days later, when she's climbing the many staircases to her attic bedroom, she notices a light flickering inside the room. Ermengarde! cried Sarah. She was so startled that she was almost frightened. You will get into trouble! 
Ermengarde stumbled up from her footstool. She shuffled across the attic in her bedroom slippers, which were too large for her. Her eyes and nose were pink with crying. Oh, I know, I know I shall if I'm found out, she said. But I don't care. I don't care a bit. Oh, Sarah, please tell me, what is the matter? Why don't you like me anymore? Oh, okay, now I feel bad for Ermintrout. Poor Ermintrout. Yeah. So they chat it out, um, and neither hates the other, and they're mm. friends again. Yeah. Um, and Sarah takes huge comfort in Ermengarde still being her friend, because mm. Ermengarde um, is, as Francis so enjoys reminding us, dull mm. and stupid. Yeah. Um, Sarah's stories... And your imagine... glasses, you remind me a bit of Ermengarde. That's <laughs> <laughs> What is some of her... I, I just remember, oh, Sarah, why don't you like, like me anymore? anymore? I know you could get on very well without me, but I, I can get along without you. Without your story, I, I, I got it. <laughs> Again, guys, if you've not watched the film, you oh, know what your homework, homework is. You're three. You're like a month late. It's getting embarrassing. I'm gonna have to write it on your record. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to take you down a peg or two. I'm gonna call your parents. <clears throat> so, um, Ermengarde also gives her some lovely books that were sent by Ermengarde's father, mm. um, so Sarah can read them. So time moves Sorry, on. Sorry, Ermengarde. Like my dad sent me these things I don't want. You have them because you're poor. <laughs> it's kind of more like... Um, I know Sarah likes them. I mean, also, oh my God, has no tact. Like, you imagine, like, your mate's um, dad has just died. Like, oh, my dad just sent me all these gifts I don't even want. Yeah. Great. Brilliant. <laughs> I'd like that. Like the lady at the museum. I don't know if I told you about this, but um, it was when me and my ex hadn't been broken up very long. Mm. Um, but I'd started like, you know, exploring the dating apps and that kind of thing. Yeah. And she was like, um, oh, I could never imagine dating. Oh, no. She's like in her, I presume, like late 50s, 60s. Yeah. And um, she was like, I could never imagine dating. No, I met my husband when I was 18. And um, oh, we've just been in love ever since. He's the most perfect man. I'm fucking good for you, you yeah. massive cunt. G- great. I'm so happy for you. Brilliant. <laughs> also, feel like the fact you had to go on about it so much suggested that maybe things aren't so perfect. She's mm. like, oh no, I could never do that. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Wonderful. Wait, oh, cool. I didn't ask. We were talking about me. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm enjoying having a lot of sex. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, I'm enjoying actually being like a bit more fulfilled in my life. Yeah. It sounds like you might be lacking that because you're feeling like you have to compensate mm-hmm. and make up for it all the time. Mm-hmm. What's that like? What's that? What's that feel like? I want to talk about you. Let's talk about <laughs> you. <laughs> You! Uh, annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, it annoyed me too. <laughs> so that moment of just being like, right? And then, and then like uh, afterwards, I was like, sorry, but she really annoyed me when she said that. And I was like, that was fucking annoying. It was annoying. Die. Yeah. <laughs> punch her. Oh, if only I could. Be so good if you could punch people. No, it wouldn't. Don't think, don't, don't do violence. Don't kids. assault people. <laughs> Not unless they really just deserve it. They really it. fuck you off. Anyway. Um, so time moves on again um, and Sarah is often sent out into the streets to do shopping for the kitchen um, in not enough layers and broken shoes which leave her cold and wet and exhausted Aww. and on more than one occasion she comes back from these long intrepid journeys to be like dinner's already been served and it's all gone oh yeah Becky didn't even save her a mouthful I mean Becky might have saved her something but well a lot of the time Becky doesn't get dinner either so fuckers or they'll do this isn't in the book but I assume it'll be something like there's your food now, Becky, you can eat it now. And so it's like, you eat it and then, you know, she. sometimes Sarah, they'll be like, oh, we saved you a bit of food left over for Sarah. And sometimes they don't because they're just dicks. Just like, sorry, I was scarfing and it's gone. Okay, I can see me being the scarfer. I'd really try. <laughs> but also it wouldn't be like a situation like if you knew someone was coming home who was actually like on the brink of yeah. being in starvation, yeah. you'd be like, 
I will get you some fucking food. Yeah, I'll, I'll make you a sandwich. Like, like they they live in a they're they're in a kitchen, <laughs> and like she just bought ingredients. Yeah, let's make something. I, literally, they're just like, no, go to bed. And you're just like, I'm so angry. Fucking Victorians. I I don't handle. I get very hangry. I'm a very hangry individual, and I wouldn't cope very well. Have I you mean, I'm not seen Sarah's coping very well? I'm just the saying. ITV version of Oliver Twist when um, yeah, the, Oliver. Um, when Oliver like basically loses his shit because um, the um, guy he's living with at the funeral directors basically like, starts saying mate. yeah but starts saying his mom was like you know um, an asshole essentially and that's why Oliver's an asshole so he freaks out and tries to attack the boy so they lock him in the coal shuttle hmm. that's what it's called yeah and then um, they call the guy from the orphanage to come and be like you've sent us like a mad boy what the fuck and he's like that's not madness that's meat you've been feeding him meat you can't feed workhouse children meat so um, I imagine that with Sarah, like, we can't feed them. They'll go crazy. So we'll like, keep them downtrodden to the point of starvation, then they can't rebel. Mm-hmm. Almost like our government's doing to us with work. We're all Oliver. <laughs> and sometimes, lads, we're all Oliver Twist. Besides, you just want to hack at someone. <laughs> anyway, um... So um, upon returning to school, she um, she's only met with cruel, scolding words, um, which exhausts her even more. And after a particularly hard day of it, she climbs up the stairs to the attic to talk to Emily the doll. Aww. I shall die presently, she said at first. Fuck. She's very hungry. Yeah. Um, Emily simply stared. I can't bear this, said the poor child, trembling. I know I shall die. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm starving to death. I've walked a thousand miles today and they have done nothing but scold me from morning until night. And because I could not find that last thing the cook sent me for, they would not give me any supper. Some men laughed at me because my old shoes made me slip down in the mud. (gasps) That's mean. Yeah. I'm covered with mud now and they laughed. Do you hear? To be fair, it's a really bad day. Yeah, it's a really, really bad day. It's a really rough day, honey. Yeah. Um... She looked at the staring glass eyes and complacent face and suddenly a sort of heartbroken rage seized her. She lifted her little savage hand and knocked Emily off the chair, bursting into a passion of sobbing. Sarah, who never cried. You are nothing but a doll, she cried. Did she break no- her? Nothing okay, but good. a doll. Doll, doll. I realise I shook my head, guys. I, yeah. Yeah, she didn't break Emily. Yeah. Emily's okay. You care for nothing. You are stuffed with sawdust. You never had a heart. Nothing could ever make you feel. You are a doll. Emily lay on the floor, a little stunned by the outburst. Yeah! Like, wow, I didn't think this was about me. Emily lay there, a little hurt, but understanding, as is her brain, her bigger, what's the bigger person-esque way. Yeah. Understanding, it wasn't really about her. Uh, <laughs> it was a little. You are a doll. You are a doll. I know, like, I'm not the one that made you angry, but you didn't have to call me a doll. Okay, I know you're upset, and I know that wasn't about me, but it was still uncool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still upset. Yeah, exactly, and now I have just... every right to be. Look, you, I realise you're upset and people are mean to you, but there is no need to punch people. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Jeez. Uh, Sarah, check yourself. Yeah. Emily lay on the floor with her legs. <sighs> What's situation. that from where um, it's like, and no one's helping me, I'm helping you. That's from something. Like, no one's here, I'm here. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking... you yeah wait right here <laughs> yeah that's how i feel like um emily is right now and i'm alone i'm here i'm here 
Yeah. It's, it's not even, the, it's not even sassy when Jory yeah. does. She's no, just she's like, just like, I'm helping you. Well, I, she's just calm. Yeah. I'm helping you. Yeah. Wait right here. Wait right here. Dory's great. I love Dory. She's so cool. Ellen did you? Ellen DeGeneres, not so much. More like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> she's a massive twat. She's a bully. She, I was about to say, she is a bully. She's straight. She threw a spider at Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Oh, my God. I'd fucking lamp that bitch. I would fucking smack her. Yeah. Once the spider was gone. I liked her. Yeah, literally. I like Kim Kardashian. I do not care to get over my fear. Literally. Right? I'd be like... I mean, I should be like... Oh, I guess her age, I guess Ellen DeGeneres probably is a very powerful agent. But you should be like... I'd be no, like, fucking cancel the bitch. She might be have a very powerful agent, but she is a short woman, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you're Kim Kardashian. Sit on her. Yeah, Kim Kardashian's small. Oh. I know she looks tall, but she's small. Um, this kind of scares me. Yeah, um, I've I've been told she's five foot three. Oh, that kind of makes me uneasy. Yeah, whether that is true or not, but that is what I've been told. <laughs> the same way that makes me uneasy that Taylor Swift's like six foot. <laughs> you just don't like them too tall or too small. I like you distinctly every. I actually wouldn't mind if Kim Kardashian was six foot because I kind of see her as that. And yeah. now the fact she's smaller makes, I don't know, it makes her weird. <laughs> she makes her scuttly like a spider. Yeah. It's scuttling here, Kim Kardashian. It just seems wrong, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I trust it now. It. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with being different heights. It's like when you meet someone um, in the digital world like yeah. on, and you only ever see them on Teams or Zoom or whatever, yeah. and then you meet them in real life and their height is different, you're like, mm. this is weird. It's weird. It, it's like seeing a teacher in the supermarket. Yeah. It's weird, you know? You hiss at them, you yeah, throw loaves, like... and you get a restraining order. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um... So Emily lay on the floor, and this is another time when our dear listeners are going to make fun of me for not being able to pronounce words, <laughs> with her legs ignominiously. Ergonomically? <laughs> ignominiously. Can you turn the screen? Show me. That. Right? Ignominiously. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know, Katie. You put it in there. Look, I um, forgot they had this particular word in this particular quote. Very big and undignified is and my her legs Unanimously. <laughs> uh, doubled up over her head and a new flat place on the end of her nose. So she did get a little bit broken. No! Uh, but she was calm, even dignified. Sarah hid her face in her hands. That's Sarah, that's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so it is on one of these days when Sarah notices someone is moving into the grand house next door um, to Miss Minchin School. Sarah notices in particular the furniture that is being taken into the house by the workmen. All the furniture was rich and beautiful and a great deal of it was oriental. Uh, wonderful rugs and draperies and ornaments were taken, um, uh, were taken from the vans. Many pictures and books, enough for a library. Among other things, there was a superb god Buddha in splendid, mm. in splendid shrine. Someone in the, fa- in the family must have been in India, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah thought. They have gotten used to Indian things and like them. I am glad. I shall feel as if we were friends, even if a head never looks out of the attic window. Okay, mm-hmm. so we have to a little bit backtracking here because it's not that interesting in the build-up, but you need to know now. Mm-hmm. So, the window thing. Yeah. Sarah has a skylight in her attic room, which mm-hmm. um, she likes to look out of because it gives a completely different view of the city from so high up. And mm-hmm. she likes to look at like, all the birds and everything. She takes Lottie up there. They have a total vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and across the roof is the another skylight window, which belongs to the house next door. And that's where she can see the Indian vibes. Um, no, she can see them like when she's out on the street going oh, into the house. Right. It's a skylight looking across from a skylight. Well, I don't you know. Shit. You I, can just see there's a window I there. I was taking it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> she can't see. She can't see into the room. Oh, okay. Um, but she can see that there is. a I window I mean, that's there. good if she was a pervert. Yeah. Well, or vice versa. Just you wait. Um. So. 
Um, yeah, across the roof, um, there is another skylight window which would belong to the house next door. Ooh, sorry, the, your mic moving it startled yeah, me. Startled me. <laughs> um, where the person with the Indian things is moving in. Um, Sarah likes to imagine a kind person poking their head out of the window and then becoming friends. Sarah's lonely and sad. <laughs> Literally. If only there was a kind person to be my friend. Wow. Becky, I'm right here. No, Becky, you're actually kind of racist at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not a person like Miss Minchkin said. I can't uh, really remember what it is. I don't think I put it in here because it's just unnecessary. It doesn't have the story. It's just Becky being racist about the people next door being like, oh, what if they're dark skinned? And it's like, wow. They'll be dark skinned. Wow. Um, wow, Becky. Yeah. Wow. Way to ostracize oh, I guess yourself. Worse. I haven't put this bit in either, but now that we're on the subject. Trigger warning for um, racism. Lottie is also fucking racist um, because she's like, um, I wonder if they'll be yellow. If they're from China, they'll be yellow. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess it's Victorian England, isn't it? Victorian England. But yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, loads of racist talk about the new Indian man moving in next door, um, which, yeah, I said I wouldn't go into, but then I did. Um, uh, what do you know? What do you know? But they do comment that the newcomer is very ill. He's had a terrible disease after some trouble. Um, the Indian is- gentleman. Well, the man who is coming from India. Ah, so ha, ha, ha. They, wink, wink, wink. Yeah, wink, wink, wink. But blinked at you. <laughs> <laughs> After some trouble which has left his mind altered. Curious. Mm. Anyway, one day Sarah goes up to look at the beautiful sunset out of her attic window. She suddenly turned her head because she heard a sound a few yards away from her. It was an odd sound, like a queer little squeaking chattering. It came from the window of the next attic. Someone had come to look at the sunset as she had. There was a head and a pair of, and a part of a body emerged from the skylight. But it was not the head or body of a little girl or a housemaid. It was a picturesque, white-swathed form and dark-faced, gleaming-eyed, white-turbaned head of a native Indian manservant. Okay, because there is a monkey in the film, I really thought it was going to be a monkey. And as you were describing it, I was like, weird-looking monkey. It's in a turban. Weird looking monkey. <laughs> there is a monkey too. Mm. He's making the chattering noise. Mm. He's just with the man. Oh, he's with the man. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Sarah, um, Alaska. Sarah said to herself quickly, and the sound her, um, had, a, and the sound she had heard came from a small monkey. Oh. He held in his arms Meow. as if he were fond of it, and which was snuggled and chattering against his breast. Oh, oh sorry, itchy eye. I want a little monkey. Um, Sarah looked towards him uh, and he looked towards her. The first thing she thought was that his dark face looked sorrowful and homesick. She felt absolutely sure he had come up to look at the sun because he had seen it so seldom in England that he longed for a sight of it. I feel that, mate. Mm. Oh my God, I felt that. Yeah, I just want some sun. Because it was like a little bit like blue skies a few days ago and I stepped out the other day and it was all misty and foggy. I felt like I wanted to punch the sky. And I was like, you dangled the possibility. Yeah, it's you full spring. Full spring, that's what they call it. Full spring. Only fools would believe it, Katie. <laughs> Only fools. Now we're into second winter. Uh, should we just have weeping for the rest of the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds apt. Mm. Um, she looked at him interestedly um, for a second and then smiled across the slates. She had learned to know how comforting a smile, even from a stranger, may be. <laughs> Hers was evident. Uh, it's context on that. It could also be fucking creepy. Yeah, just like sat on the train, someone staring at you, smiling. Or you looking fucking... out of your window and a face appearing in the other window, smiling. Ah! So disgusting. I'm just giving my monkey some air. Excuse me? <laughs> Hello, little girl. <laughs> I uh, have a monkey. Hello, older man. I'm lonely. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, you're a walking disaster. <laughs> 
hers was evidently a pleasure to him. His whole expression altered, and he showed such gleaming white teeth as he smiled back that it was as if a light had um, been illuminated in his dusky face. Wow, brilliant. Mm. Um, The friendly um, look in Sarah's eyes was always very effective when people felt tired or dull. Just then, the little monkey darts free of his master's arms and scampers across the roof tiles to Sarah's window. Sarah asks the man in Hindustani if she can pick the monkey up. She had never seen more surprise and delight than the... And the dark face, we get it. He's got dark skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did I mention he's not white? Literally, literally. I mm. swear, every description of him is like, and his dark face, like <laughs> it's like it. when white men write um, any character. If it's woman, they boobly boobed, mm. and um, if they're not white, like they weren't white in their non-white ways. They did non-white things. How very strange, non-white of them. Yeah, how she exotic. Boobed in. How exotic and how sexy. And how sexy. Um, that is what they're like. Mm. Uh, the truth was that Not the poor fellow felt... Not all white men, God. <laughs> wow. Well. Well, you look like one. <laughs> the truth was that the poor fellow felt as if his gods had intervened and the kind little voice came from heaven itself. At once Sarah saw that he had been accustomed to European children. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's weird. He poured forth a flood of respectful thanks. Good. He was the servant of Missy Saib. The monkey was a good monkey and would not bite, but unfortunately he was difficult to catch. He oh. would flee from one spot to another like the light, like lightning. He was disobedient, though not evil. Ramdas, um, which is the guy, uh, knew him as if he was his child. In Ramdas, he would um, sometimes obey, but not always. Not always. If Missy Saib would permit, Ramdas, he himself, could cross the roof to her room, enter the window, and regain the unworthy little animal. But he was evidently afraid Sarah might think he was taking a great liberty and perhaps would not let him come. No, don't let him come across into your room, Sarah. He's a grown man and you're alone. You're yeah, a child boundaries, alone. boundaries. He'd be like... I'll close the window mm. and why don't you go to... I mean, to be fair, she'd probably get punched in the face by Miss Minchin if she did this. But yeah. like, why don't you go knock on the front door and mm. come up with one of the adults Yeah, the That sounds reasonable. That's safeguarding. Yeah. So, wait, how's he getting across to the window? Just, just climb over. Yeah. That's not okay. Sarah gave him leave at once. Can you get across? She inquired. In a moment, he answered. Oh. Then come, she said. He is flying from side to side of the room as if he were frightened. Um, the monkey. Yeah, Ram-das. it's like, this is a hell of a little routine you got here, Ramdas. Ramdas. Ramdas slipped through his attic window and crossed to hers steadily and lightly as if he had walked on roofs all his life. It's not my first time. No, Ramdas, no. He slipped through the skylight and dropped upon his um, feet without a sound. Ramdas, no. Um, then he turned to Sarah and salamed again. The monkey saw him and uttered a little scream. Ramdas hastily took the precaution of shutting the skylight. To keep the monkey no. I get it, but I get it, but no. creepy. And then went into and then went in chase of him. It was not a very long chase. The monkey prolonged it a few minutes, evidently for the mere fun of it. Yeah. Um, but presently he sprang chattering onto Ramdas's shoulder and sat there chattering and clinging to his neck with its weird little skinny arms. Yeah. I made it grace. I know. I was like, that's weirdly descriptive. Mm. Um, but can you fucking imagine if you went to go check on Sarah as an adult right now and, and there's a, a man, in the room. man in the room? You're like, what the fuck is happening? Get with out, the monkey. 
I mean, the monkey's fine. Leave that to Keith. No, but just the whole scene yeah, is too like, much. What the fuck is happening? Why is there a monkey? Is it get a grooming out. technique? I don't even care to hear for it. Get, get out. Get out. How did you get in here? The window? All right. Well, that's done. That, that's that's locked forever. Locked. Yeah. Yep. No, like, sorry, Sarah, but men ruin everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, Ramdas thanks Sarah again and leaves through the skylight with his little monkey. And Sarah um, and Sarah has made a new friend, a new grooming friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So we need to go back a little bit and just explain some things. Mm. So. There is a large, rich family in town, which Sarah walks past most days. Mm-hmm. Um, and she notices them. They're bright and happy. And she likes pretending she knows them and things about their lives to occupy herself. Just things like, and today they're going to go, oh, they're not here today. Oh, I bet they've gone to a nice picnic well, at the seaside. And... Uh, well, she has some of Trout's books, doesn't she? Yeah. But, but she probably doesn't have time to read them and the mental capacity. So it's like, oh, you know. Oh, no, Sarah studies late into the night. So oh, does she? she? She's studious. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, it's not like she's got like, you know, a Netflix series to read like you know get yeah, into for a bit of escapism, escapism. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah that's it's just she... watching a soap operas <clears throat> exactly so that's what she does um she likes pretending she knows them because they are so welcoming they also notice her and register that she may be dressed like a beggar but she certainly doesn't act or seem like one mm. love that classism mm. the father of the large family is the lawyer for the ill indian gentleman who is described as the indian gentleman but just so we're all aware he's actually english right uh, he just lived in india yeah he's not ramdas ramdas is his servant mm-hmm. so when they say indian gentleman they is are it referring... said at that point though to be misleading or do you know at this point that he's not you know mm. he's not ramdas because ramdas has said that he is um the servant yeah yeah ramdas is the servant um um i can't remember it's made clear at this point oh i think it is no it, sorry it is made clear because um in the racist bit so maybe i should have included it when um becky's going off being like oh i hope he's not black um sarah's like oh no i saw him entering he was in a wheelchair he was white don't worry <laughs> oh good i'm so glad okay, thank god mm. um so yeah we know he's white mm-hmm. that's only relevant because it just well, if you've seen the movie. Yeah, you know what's coming, guys. What's coming. Um, so, yeah. The father of the family is the, his lawyer um, for the ill Indian gentleman who we've established as a white guy mm-hmm. um, who has moved in next door. Um, his mind is still in turmoil, but he enjoys playing with the, his lawyer's children. Mm, men ruin everything. Men it ruin should be everything. fine, but it's not. It's just not fine. Um, it's just not okay, is it? It's just not. Like, My mind's in turmoil. Let me play with your kids. This is abducted in plain sight all oh, over. Hopefully, yeah. That's great. Show. Let me share a bed with your daughter. I have issues. That is. I mean, even if you didn't have issues, no. But that's precisely another reason why no. Look, I was tra- I was sexually assaulted as a child. So can I share a bed with your daughter? I mean, when you put it like that, what are you supposed no. to say? My therapist thinks it'll help. My therapist thinks get out. Yeah, exactly. My therapist thinks you are a red flag. <laughs> get out. Leave. Um, Janet, the oldest of the large family children, who was head of the family and kept the rest of it of, of it all in order, um, she was. Um, it was she who decided when it was discreet to ask the Indian gentleman to tell stories about India, and it was she who saw when he was tired and it was time to steal quietly away and tell Ramdas to go to him. They were very fond of Ramdas. He could have told any number of stories if he had been able to speak anything but Hindustani. Well, I think then he can tell lots of stories mm. if you could speak Hindustani. Yeah, if you could speak anything but English. Literally. More specifically, Hindustani, yes, like you said. <laughs> Just annoys me the phrasing, like, oh, 
He'd be so interesting if only he could speak to us. Yeah. You should not speak to him. Yeah, literally. Um, but anyway, uh, the Indian gentleman's real name was Mr. Carrisford. And Jane told Mr. Carrisford about the encounter with a little girl who was not a beggar. And he was very much interested. And all the, and all the more so when he heard from Ramdas of the adventure of the monkey on the roof. Ramdas made for him a very clear picture of the attic and its desolateness, of the bare floor and the broken plaster, the rusty, empty grate and the hard, narrow bed. Aww. Hard beds are not a vibe. Oh, sorry, not. I'm you remember I was telling you the other day, my boobs have basically been hurting. And I was like, I figured out why. Oh, and yeah. I was like, um, my boyfriend has a very firm, and Katie thought I was going to say grip. Tell him to chill the fuck out. Tell him to let go. And I was like, very firm mattress, uh, and I sleep on my uh, front. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of fair. That's kind of fair. It's a firm grip. It's like firm grip, Katie. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Don't line up. Right. God. Soft, you know. Sensitive. Gentle, you freak. <laughs> rip them off. Don't rip them off. Huh? Um, anyway. <laughs> firm grip. Let go. Let go. It's a very firm arm. Drop it. <laughs> Drop it. Um, Drop it right now. Not a boy. They're nice things to be treated nicely. <laughs> Thank you very much. But yeah, so I get the um, hard bed. Mm, yeah. Painful. So then this next bet mm. annoys me because mm. of all the names you could fucking choose in the world. You choose to have one white gentleman called Mr. Carrisford. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Also Fine. annoys me because then there's also Captain Crew. Oh, yeah. Another yeah. C name. Yeah. So annoying. And then the lawyer dude is Carmichael. No, that's too... No. Why are all books like this? You had the... I once got went for a um, film thing. Got went for? Got went for. I once went to um, do a film thing and I got demoted to a smaller part because I looked too similar to the mm. other main actress. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they were like, it'll get confusing. Mm. What do you think television and books are? <laughs> exactly. They all have the same fucking name. Yeah. Stupid. And also just putting it out there, all film stars look the fucking same. They do. Like, it's an actual problem. They were like, it'll look confusing if we have two people who have long, dark hair. So we'll give it to the blonde bitch. And I was like, mm. blonde bitch didn't even want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway. She's fucking cunt. She's fucking cunt, so I got demoted from doing a funny scene. Mm. Anyway, <clears throat> so, Carmichael, Mr. Carrisford said to the family of the large... To the father wow. of the large family. Take a breath. <laughs> Carmichael said Carrisford to the father of the large family. Mm. After he had heard this description of the bare bedroom, I wonder how many of the attics in this square are like that one and how many wretched little servant girls sleep on such beds while I toss on my down pillows loaded and harassed by wealth that is most of it not mine. Fuck off. I know. My dear fellow, Mr. Carmichael answered answered cheerily, the sooner you cease tormenting yourself, the better it will be for you. Uh, If you possessed all the wealth of the Indies, you could not set right all the discomforts in the world. And if you began to refurnish all the attics in this square, there would still remain all the attics in the other squares and streets to put in order. And there you are. So just do nothing and just let everyone suffer. Quite! I'm going to use the little... um, is parable the right word? No. Um, where there's the story of saying you're walking down the street and no, you're walking down the beach and you can see all the baby turtles out on the sand and you think there's no way I can save all these turtles. There's too many. Um, by the time I've like, you know, gone half out the beach, um, some of the ones at the other end will have died because the sun's coming up. And you're like, so I can't make a big impact overall. But that little turtle you help on its way, 
You made a big difference to that one. You made a big difference to so that one. So you could fucking try, mate. You could fucking try. And also, if you've seen the fucking knock-on effect, you see someone... I mean, I'd save turtles anyway. Mm. But, you know, you see someone saving turtles on the beach. I'm going down to help. Exactly. Exactly. You lead by example. That's how, that, that's how the whole turtle saving thing came about, was people starting out. I didn't know that, Katie. What a beautiful there's, oh story. My God, there's a there's a guy and you like you just fall in love with him. He's like, I just I'm like, already in love and I don't know the I rest know. of the story. He's literally like, I just I just saw that turtles were dying and I just couldn't handle it. So I just went out and started saving them. And then he builds this company that's like sort of like about saving the turtles and he just still goes out every day saving them and everyone's like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to save the turtles. And you're I like, want to save the turtles. I want to save the turtles with yeah, him. Yeah, he was wonderful. Yeah. Right, we should find the yeah, we should find the film. Mm. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, Mr. Carmichael has basically said, um, "Don't worry about it. There's, there'll always be poor people, so you might as well just enjoy being rich." Ah. Um, Mr. Carrisford sat and bit his nails as he looked into the glowing bed of coals in the grate. "Do you suppose?" he said slowly after a pause. "Do you think it is possible that the other child, child I never cease thinking of, I believe, could be?" could possibly be reduced to any such condition as the poor little soul next door? Hmm. Interesting. Mr. Carrisford is in a great deal of turmoil looking for a missing child. Interesting. Um, they go on to discuss how they believe this child that they're looking for had been sent to a school in Paris and subsequently adopted, um, but that's where the trail goes cold. Mm. Who could this mysterious gentleman be who's recovering <laughs> from some sort of brain fever mm. after some terrible business troubles mm. which seems to have addled his brain? Addled his brain, possibly. Who could he be looking for? Exacerbated. Exacerbated by his time in India and jungle fever. Exactly. I know what everyone who watched the film is thinking, um, and uh, who y'all think it is. It's not. It's not. It's the business partner. But, but you see, if the child was the one was the one I am in search of, you see, if we are not sure, there was a difference in the name. Madame Pascal pronounced it as if it was Carew instead of Crew, but that might be merely a matter of pronunciation. The circumstances were curiously similar. An English officer in India had placed his motherless little girl at the school. He had died suddenly after losing his fortune. Mm. Mr. Carmichael, oh sorry, Mr. Carmichael paused a moment as if a new thought had occurred to him. Are you sure the child was left at a school in Paris? Are you sure it was Paris? My dear fellow, broke um, forth Carrisford with restless bitterness. I am sure of nothing. <laughs> I never saw either the child or her mother. Ralph Crew and I loved each other as boys, did you know? Yeah. Um, but we had not met since our school days. Until we met in India, I was absorbed in the magnificent promise of the mines. He became absorbed too. The whole thing was so huge and glittering that we half lost our heads. Uh, when we met, we scarcely spoke of anything else. I only knew that the child had been sent to school somewhere. I do not even remember now how I knew it. Fucking men. All I'm saying is... If that was like me and, you know, another schoolmate going in on a business, we would do the business. But, you know, every now and then, like, so is it Sarah at the school? How's she getting on? You're not seen her in four years. Oh, that must be quite hard on both of you. I also just think even if you are the, like you haven't checked in, like you do forget because I can understand being like, fuck, what's the name of the school? Mm. I can understand that. Um, but you're telling me that Captain Cruz died, you're in the search for his daughter because you're his friend and you want to, like, um, restore her wealth mm -hmm. and everything because um, the business troubles recovered themselves and now they're richer than ever. Oh, good, good. Um, with Ralph's, with um, Captain Cruz's money, so he, like, wants to give it to Sarah. Mm. Um, you're telling me that if you went to his house, There's opened no a couple document. drawers, you wouldn't find some information about where the fucking child no is. No bill from the school Literally. or something like that. 
Lazy. Lazy. Stupid. Also, oh, he's business expensing this trip. He's not paying some taxes. He's like, I must go to England to look for her. Maybe like, you know, do like, you know, a little research trip first. He's not even looking for her in England. He thinks she's in Paris. He's like, I'm just going to live next door to her. No problem or troubles asked. He's really annoyed. I just realised I was probably glaring. You're like... (laughs) Marsha, I didn't do it. <laughs> it wasn't me, it was Mr. Carrisford. I'm angry at Carrisford. I know, he's such so- a fucking idiot. Oh, fuck off, Mr. Carrisford. Sorry. He knows that, oh, he thinks she's been adopted in Paris, but he doesn't know what situation. He's thinking, oh, maybe she's living in squalor. Marsha, finish the thought before we get into the next one. But he's thinking she's living in squalor, maybe dire conditions. Oh, I should probably get around finding her. Fuck you. Fuck you. So I will say one thing in his defence. He is still, like, really ill. So the the, the idea is, is that Carmichael... Pack a handkerchief and get on your ear. That's what man flew in <laughs> yeah. it. So the idea is that he's returned to England to his home country to kind of like recover and get well. Mm. Um, and Mr. Carmichael, the lawyer, is going to go in search of Sarah. Okay. Um, so but he's going to go off to um, mm. France. Well, he doesn't mm. go to France. He goes to Russia because the lady from the Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> well, well, the lady from the school is like, pretty sure she was adopted by a nice Russian family. Are you sure? No. So the lady from the school in France that she never attended. So there is a little girl called something caru um uh, and so they that's where they've gotten confused right and so they're like excuse me did a little girl um called crew live um live with you like she did and her dad did die a little girl called caru um but she was adopted by some russians do you know where they are no they seem like nice russians though probably somewhere russiary yeah russian around <laughs> pretty much and that's yeah. where they're like that's where the trail goes cold so you just let these people walk off with this child pretty much they nearly did that at the museum the other day i yeah. feel like shall we not let strangers leave with children and they're like oh fuck's sake fine i'll go talk to them (laughs) such good safeguarding guys good job everyone we're no better than the victorians Mm. so yeah um mr carrisford is not sarah's daddy so if you watch the film you expect it to be her dad he's not Mm -hmm. um i was really disappointed by this spoilers um but yeah in the film it's sarah's dad who lives but now this whole book is thrown open to me i thought i knew where this was going fully this one i was like i was like Anything is possible. I know, it's mad. Anyway, for those of you who have not seen the film, Sarah's dad actually didn't die. And then we get the most dramatic scene in cinema history when his memory is restored and they are reunited in the pouring rain. Sarah! Sarah! Daddy, you don't remember? You don't remember Naya and the Riviera? Oh my God, tell me that you remember! The Riviera! <laughs> Get a grip, Sarah. Daddy, no! R.I.P. R.I.P. Headphone user. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the film is so much. This better. child has no father. Take her away. No. And apparently, that was enough to land her um, the loss of her business. Yeah, I didn't really get that either. It's like she doesn't go to prison. Like, I don't understand. It's not like her entire school was run off Sarah's money because that was already... I don't understand. I don't understand. I think they were just like, we hate you, be a chimney sweep. And she was like, okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. You're not happy about meanie. it, but, you know, yeah. I've got to do what I've got to do. I mean, Captain Crew in the film is a powerful man so maybe he's just like you know i'm gonna do a big pr spin and just say what a dick you are and then everyone's like oh we're gonna pull our children out of your out of your school and lol and then he was like i will take it over and like rebrand it and then they'll still come to the school but we don't want you here you're icky it's not Sarah's dad that takes over the school. It's the old man in the wheelchair. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, potato, potato. Um, yeah. So another white man took over the school. Yeah. I just... It's because women can't have nice things. Because men, yeah. men get jealous and take them to themselves. 
if you're offended by that. And I guess maybe no dick. one would have bought the school because it had such a bad PR angle on it. And they were like, that's the school that belongs to the abusive lady. She wasn't abusive by Victorian standards, to be fair. But it's a good PR scandal. It is. So. But also, this well, lady's been... Oh, I suppose she was, would have been abusing rich children. That's yeah, this problem. is the thing. This yeah. is the PR spin yeah. that she is a... A vilified meanie by Victorian standards because the rich white man didn't like her. Pretty much. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Only be cruel to uh, poor kids, guys. Exactly. Well, she was. She thought Sarah was poor. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not her fault she was. It's not her fault she got she rich. She thought she again. was fair game. Yeah. What would you have done? What would you have done? What a bully the reports. It's funny. Yeah. So yeah, Mr. Carrisford um um was Sarah's dad's business partner. He didn't die, but obviously Sarah's dad did. Sorry, um, Sarah's dad is actually dead. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. It makes you lose him all over again because you're like, he's not really dead though. He's not really dead though. And then he actually is dead. And you're like, I've just got fucking Mr. Carrisford. I don't give a fuck about him. <laughs> so yeah, Sarah's dad is genuinely dead. I didn't grieve in the last episode because I thought he was fake dead. No, real dead. Genuine dead. Real just got his dead. best mate now. Oh, that is sad. Is Sarah! Sad. She already thought he was real dead, so... Well, I not... didn't, and this is about me! <laughs> and say, oh, Marsha! <laughs> oh, but I'm realising my emotions through the body of yeah. Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Papa! Papa! Papa, please! So, oh, Mr. Carrisford is consumed by guilt um, about what happened to Sarah's father. Mm. Um, he used to call her by an old, odd pet name he had invented. He called her his his little missus. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say that as a joke. I was going to say tiny wife as a genuine <laughs> joke. What? What? It gets but that wretched minds drove everything else out of our heads. We talked of nothing else. If he spoke of the school, I forgot. I forgot. And now I shall never remember. Come, come, said Carmichael. We shall find her yet. We will continue to search for Madame Pascal's good-natured Russians. Brilliant. <laughs> she seemed to have a vague idea of where they lived in Moscow. Brilliant. Yeah. We will take that as a clue. I will go to Moscow. Great. Right. If I were able to travel, I would go with you, said Carrisford. But I can only sit here wrapped in furs and stare <laughs> at the fire. Oh, it's so, so hard for you. And clearly it's so I must just sit here with my blankets and fire and drink tea. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Sometimes I dream of, of him at night. He well fancied mm. Ralph Crew. I sometimes dream of him at night. And he always stands before me and asks the same question in words. Well, I didn't think question he asked in it in... I didn't think he asked it in, like, <laughs> scarves. Same through osmosis. <laughs> Did you say scarves? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Do you like dance. my little missus? <laughs> well, uh, oh, so yeah, um, he always asks me the same question in words. What else would he ask me? Can you guess what he says, Carmichael? Mr. Carmichael answered him in a rather low voice. Not exactly, <laughs> he said. He always said, Tom, old man, Tom, where is the little missus? Oh. He caught at Carmichael's hand and clung to it. I must be able to answer him. I must, he said. Help me to find her. Help me. Oh, gosh. On the other side of the wall, Sarah was sitting in her garret talking to Melchizedek, who was a mouse that she made friends with. Okay, a cool. rat. Sorry, he's actually a rat. That's um, right. Uh, who had that's come right, out okay. for... That's right, Kate. That's why some rats are kind of similar. You know what I did mm. specifically for this? Because there is other stuff from Melchizedek, but he doesn't add anything to the story. He's just kind of there. Mm. Um, so I don't mention him much. Um, it's just but I about. specifically looked up how to pronounce it. Because do you know how it's spelt? No. 
Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And I looked up how to pronounce it. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. <laughs> um, it has been hard to be a princess today, Melchizedek, she said. It's been harder than usual. It gets harder as the weather grows colder and the streets get more sloppy. When Lavinia laughed at my muddy skirt as I passed her in the hall, I thought of something to say and all in a flash, and I only just stopped myself in time. I will gut you like a fish, you little cat. I will gut you. (laughs) You can't sneer back at people like that if you are a princess, but you have to bite your tongue and hold it in. I bit mine. It was a cold afternoon, Melchizedek, and it's a cold night. Quite suddenly, she put her black head down in her arms, as she often did when she was alone. Oh, Papa, she whispered. What a long time it has been since I was your little missus. This is what happened that day on both sides of the wall. Ew. I mean, if if they just had a better pet name. It's disgusting. Just a suitable, appropriate pet name for your daughter. Literally, it's disgusting. That is... It's the fact that I was going to say, what, like, tiny wife? What? Yeah. What? Kind of. Kind (laughs) of. Pretty much. Bang on. Ew. I hate it. That's really gross. I hate it. That is proper sexualisation of your daughter. That's putting her in a role that she is not ready for, should never be ready for, incidentally. And no, just no. Absolutely not. You've crossed the fucking line, Captain Crew, and I'm a little glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to think about why he had to send her so far away. Is it to remove temptation? Was that what it was? Yeah. Disgusting. Mm. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for tonight, guys. They're all traumatised enough. thinking about father-daughter relationships and what is a healthy relationship and what is most certainly not. Yeah. Um, if you're sitting there thinking it's not that bad, your dad calls you his tiny wife. Get a new dad. Get a new dad. Throw, throw that, that one in the bin. That one's broken. Get a new one. Yeah. No. 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 If anyone's being called tiny wife, I'm sorry. Call, you need help. Call the RSPCA. Wait. <laughs> It's the NSPCC. (laughs) (laughs) Or Childline, even if you're an adult, I feel it's a good place to start. Uh, Childline's good until you're 19. And then they're like, fuck you, do it on your own. You're a grown-up, can't you do anything? (laughs) uh, No, yeah, Childline's a good one. Um, And the NSPCC. Uh, Don't call the RSPCA. (laughs) They'll be like, are you a puppy? (laughs) Are you a kitten? No, then call the Southern Love because it's not us and we're very busy. I bet someone's called the RSPCA for child abuse. I bet it happens quite a lot. Yeah. Just like, are you an abused child? I am. Okay, this is the number that you want. Jesus. Like, are you an abused animal? Well, kind of. (laughs) I'm not not an abused animal. I am abused. But yeah, uh, Mm. this is the thing. So obviously, sorry, we will let you guys go and get on with your lives in a minute. Mm. Um, So I like to play um, What Am I with my partner when we can't Mm -hmm. sleep at night because we're really cool. Um, and every now and then, because like it's animals. I'm just gonna put it out there: the fact you're playing "What Am I" might be the reason you can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, fair. I don't play very often. Um, but uh, sometimes like one of us will be a human, and it fucking throws yeah. you to forget the humans are animals. Yeah, gross. Hard. Yeah, I'm like, a little freaked out. By is them. there like so you're bigger than a deer? You're a mammal. You have like no hair on your body, uh, and you're native to the UK. What the fuck are you? <laughs> what are these horrendous creatures? Like, I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, like I'm a human. Throws <laughs> <laughs> up everywhere. It's just I'm like. There's two in the house right now. What? (laughs) Fully. Terrifying. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in, guys. If you liked what you heard, check out the socials, check us out on Patreon, and we will see you next week, guys. Have a good one. Bye! For fuck's sake. Bye.